It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, you know, we just came out of 2020, and a lot of people are kind of looking for growth opportunities uh, as they pursue their uh, fields of endeavor, their businesses, and and the like. And we have a fantastic guest for you today, Startup Nation, to kind of help us out with that and more. She is the global uh, customer growth and innovation evangelist at Salesforce. And she's also the author of Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices uh, We Will Make or Break Your Business. She is Tiffany Bova. Tiffany Bova. TB, how are you, ma'am? I am awesome. Thank you for having me, Dominic. No worries. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. We're so glad to have you. Uh, Tiffany, if you would, I, I just want to ask you, like I said, we just got out of 2020. What are some lessons that you took away uh, from uh, a, a year that was definitely one for the record books? Uh, I would just say that, you know, dealing with uncertainty and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a high level of anxiety and sort of not knowing um, how to navigate. I mean, I don't think any of us had a playbook, you know, right. either from a business or personal standpoint. But, um, you know, I- I'm glad it's behind us, but it's not behind us. Right. But 2020 right. was kind of the the year where we had to kind of stabilize and respond to the shock of everything that was going on. And now now it's about resiliency and really coming back uh, better and stronger in 2021. But really 2022 and 2023, we've got to continue to um, hold on as we work our way through. But but it's been great to see um, so much inspiration on a global basis of people coming together to solve some of these really big problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, and speaking of, you know, problems and stuff like that, we're now here in in 2021 or, and people are looking for those opportunities to kind of scale and grow their businesses. I, I guess I'm curious, you know, because you always speak about the growth mindset and stuff like that. What are some of those opportunities that you're kind of seeing out there for small business owners, whether they're already in the industry or maybe they're just looking to uh, to start a business in a particular industry? Well, you know, here, here's sort of how I look at it. Sure. Is, is I think that people need to take this opportunity, regardless of what you've been doing in your career up into this point, mm-hmm. to have a beginner's mind, right? Really being open to maybe making a career change or mm. investing in new skills personally. You know, we have to invest in ourselves. If we don't invest in ourselves, who else will? Right. And so I think that it's, if you can give yourself permission on a daily basis to take 15 minutes or a half an hour, like listening to this podcast, uh, to find maybe some inspiration to try some new things. But I'd say ultimately you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because, you know, doing new things and change is scary. We're at the beginning of the year and, and already I forgot what my New Year's resolutions were. You know, we all know how that is. Change <laughs> right. is hard um, personally. Uh, but but I'd say we have to disrupt ourselves if we plan on doing something disruptive in our business or in the marketplace or with our customers. Uh, and especially if it's uh, in the startup life, right, where you're always looking for what's the next big idea. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it may not be successful, but, you know, you have to view it like you win or you learn. You just, you know, it's never a loss. It's what, what did I learn from it? For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to uh, Tiffany Bova, the author of uh, Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break uh, Your Business. You know, if you would just kind of talk about the book and, and some of the insight that readers uh, will, will get from reading your book. 
Well, you know, Growth IQ um, was a culmination of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. One, I was a practicing, you know, I was a sales rep, quota-bearing sales rep for a really long time. I worked for startups, mid-sized business, uh, enterprise, and then Fortune 500 companies. And then I, you know, along the way, I, I picked up taking care of marketing as well and then customer service. So I had this really uh, unique perspective on looking at customer facing from kind of three of the pillars of kind of growth within businesses, that sales service and, and, and marketing. But then I, I was able to spend uh, a decade at a, at a company called Gartner, and, and it's the largest advisory firm, uh, analyst and advisory firm for technology companies in the world. So I had the opportunity to then take that practitioning expertise and apply it from an advisory standpoint. Uh, with some of the largest technology companies in the world, but also many, many, many startups. And, you know, the, the question was always, what's the one thing I can do, right, to grow my business or to get that customer? And right. and really, it, it was the one thing about growth is it's never one thing. Mm. And so that really sparked the the writing of the book was, how can I sort of share these lessons learned from 15 years of being a practitioner, 10 years of being an advisor and a consultant, so 25 years, you know, into a book that would be engaging and and sort of tell the stories that I had learned along the way. And, you know, being a non-academic, if you will, <laughs> uh, I let the stories of other companies sort of tell the story I was trying to tell. And so it's been really well received because it's short bursts, right? Short stories. We don't have time to necessarily sit and read a 250 page book, right. but I could read a story a day. And, and then, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, I can read the book and I, and I have some framework by which I can apply as I look for ways to either accelerate growth in the business, you know, start to learn, figure out, you know, especially in the startup's life, like how to get our first set of customers. Right. Um, it might even be how to scale or move into new markets or new verticals. And and those questions, uh, regardless of where you are in your company's journey, um, uh, hopefully gets answered uh, in the book. Right. And, you know, wh- wh- and you, you kind of talked about this earlier. I would love for you to kind of dive into it more. You, you talked about having that multi-path approach because you always talk about uh, uh, not a single ticket to growth, but a multi-path growth. And it seems like a lot of times we're always looking for that silver bullet to solve all of our problems, and not just from growth, but just other aspects of, of our company. Kind of talk about that multi-path approach. What does that look like more in detail, if you don't mind me asking, Tiffany? Well, I, you know, I, I think that um, that was going back to what I was saying, right? That one thing about growth is it's never one thing. Right. And 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 customers would always, always ask me, and clients continue to ask me, like, what's the one thing that I can do? You know, as I said a few minutes ago, Right. And I used to answer. And then I realized that I was doing a complete disservice. Gotcha. That there's no way you can have an amazing product, best in class, if you can't sell it. And then there's no way you can have the best in class product and you're able to sell it, but you can't support it and you don't maintain it. You don't continue to invest in it. It also doesn't work. You can't have a great product, be able to sell it, be able to support it, but your customers don't like engaging with your co- company. Mm. You kind of have to have all those things, right? Right. What's the product? Who's the customer? How do they want to buy? How are you going to service them? And at the end of the day, are, you know, do they do they feel that you're adding value either in their personal or professional life with whatever product or service you are selling? Right there, what I said, there was not one thing, right? right. You have to have strong product development. You have to have strong selling capabilities. You have to have strong service capabilities. Now, it doesn't mean you need tens of thousands of people. If you only have five customers or 10 customers, do you have someone who's responsible for each of those functions? Are they coordinated? Are they collaborating? 
Do your customers feel like you're putting them first? Do your employees feel like they have all the things they need in order to be successful? You can't decouple those four or five things and expect to see success. You see those companies that have been able to become a startup and then even become a unicorn in some cases. They tend to have those attributes, strong products, strong enough, good enough products, really solid selling motion, frictionless, easy, right? Streamlined. Right. The product works. And if it doesn't work, you back it up, you support it if they need help. And then you continue to find ways to engage with that customer to get them to buy more from you more frequently. But ultimately, if you look to those companies you admire that have been able to go from startup to cross that first 10 million mark or 25 million mark or 50 million mark or 100 million mark, at each of those stages, the challenges change but those foundational elements always remain the same. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, when you purchase the book, once again, we have that link there in the show notes uh, for easy access. If you listen to the replay on the podcast, when you pick, when you purchase the book, uh, the book is kind of broken up into different paths. Path Path seven, path six talks about optimizing sales. Path eight talks about partnerships. I want to ask you about partnerships. You know, what should I look for when I'm thinking about, you know, I like I've kind of maximized what I can do by myself and I'm looking to kind of scale with a partner. What should I look for in a partnership, Tiffany, in your opinion? Yeah. So what's great about that question is I would have answered it differently pre-pandemic. Fair enough. Post-pandemic, what's been amazing to see is how unlikely characters have started to work together in partnership mm, uh, motions. Right. That chapter behind partnerships is, is called coopetition. Mm-hmm. So people who normally compete with each other working together. So let's just take the vaccine as an example. Sure. Competing pharmaceutical companies working together to solve this problem globally. Never would have happened before, right? Very capitalistic. Nope. Our business, our technology, our IP, our inventions, right? Our drugs, et cetera. Now it's hold on. Like we all need to kind of come together, private sector, public sector, unlikely characters, and then solving other issues. Um, like, you know, it, it, early on in the pandemic, I remember seeing something online where four million pounds of potatoes were thrown into a landfill. Like, I was right. so upset by that. I, it really, it rocked my world for like like multiple days. Mm. I, I could not get it out of my mind. I'm still talking about it eight months later. Like, how is that possible? We have people hungry. We have kids who no longer have food at schools and we're throwing away four million pounds of potatoes. Well, why? Because the supply chain was never created for if the distribution, you know, the standard big distribution of trucks picking it up and taking it to fulfillment center to have it made into French fries or whatever. Mm -hmm. When that broke down, they had no way to get all those potatoes into the hands of consumers directly or to schools or to homeless shelters or to food banks. No way to do it. And so the community came together and figured it out. So the next time that happened, they didn't throw them into landfills. They posted something on social and invited people to come and pick it up. And people came from states all over to pick up that food, to bring it back either to their own families or to schools or to homeless shelters or to food banks. And and those kinds of partnerships, you know, just at the social level has been inspiring. And I hope that those kinds of partnerships continue in the future with you know, the purpose over profit kind of mentality, which was the 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 last path in my book, uh, uh, Growth IQ, is if you think about that, right, it's the purpose of putting food on people's tables, not always about the profit. Profit right. is important. Don't get me wrong. Of course. You know, not, not telling you not to be a capitalist, 
But I'm also saying, you know, how can you balance that with doing, uh, you know, business being the greatest sort of platform for change? For sure. You know what? I'm glad you said that about, you know, the purpose over profit part, because we've been seeing over the past kind of couple of years where that's kind of become to the forefront. It's almost kind of, you know, you mentioned capitalism, almost kind of redefine uh, capitalism, kind of like an altruistic type of capitalism. Could you speak to that a little bit, if you don't mind, Tiffany? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really something that um, drew me to working for Salesforce, mm-hmm. you know, coming uh, from Gartner, and and I was looking for what's going to be my next challenge, you know, right. from an employment standpoint, where do I want to go? Um, and Salesforce has an event each year called Dreamforce, which gets mm-hmm. about 150,000 people into San Francisco normally. This year we did it uh, all virtually, obviously, right. or last year, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first event I'd ever attended, you know, in the thousands I've attended over the course of my 25 years, uh, you know, in, in tech, where I left wanting to be a better human being. That's gotcha. a very different kind of culture. Right. So I was drawn to work here for that very reason. And our CEO, Mark Benioff, often says business is the greatest platform for change. And how do we align over purpose, over profit and, you know, do things where like at, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were doing virtual volunteering. We volunteered millions of hours over the 20 years that we've been in business, 21 years we've been in business. Um, and we continued it even during the pandemic. That's just part of the core of who we are. And so those values lend itself to the culture. And then the culture is lifted up by the employees. And if the employees think something's important, like a lot that's gone on with social justice over the last 12 months, right. you know, what's our role in that? And what are we playing? And even donating to small businesses and to schools and to hospitals. We've donated millions and millions of PPE equipment, things that are way out of our, right? We're a technology company, but right. it's, it's how do we, you know, play a role in the broader shareholder, shareholder community and shareholder meaning, you know, the people who work for us live in those communities and educate their kids in their communities and go to those hospitals and go to those grocery stores. And how do we make sure all of those things as much as we can, right, are better off for us being involved. And so, you know, as small business uh, owners and startups, um, this was a philosophy that was born day one for uh, for Mark Benioff um, and similar to the day ones that you've heard from Jeff Bezos and others. Right. Uh, but Mark was, you know, one percent of our of our time would be donated and volunteered one percent of our um, uh, software uh, and then one percent of our um, uh, revenue. And so over 21 years, that has, has continued. And of course, when you have three employees, 1% of people's time is really easy. When you have 55,000 employees, 1% of time is really impactful. So, uh, you know, we've, we've signed a lot of people up to that 1% pledge. Um, we, we really sort of built that as a, as a way in which many startups have joined that. So if you're listening and this is something that is interesting to you, 1% pledge uh, you can look it up and join the movement, right, of 1% of your time and your equity and and whatever it is you sell, you know, donating back, right? Buy a pair of shoes, donate a pair of shoes. Buy a pair of glasses, donate a pair of glasses, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think that that uh, is also a way in which your customers can align to your values as a company um, and ways that you can attract talent that wants to work for companies that are, you know, more than just being capitally focused. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And you, you mentioned your, your CEO, Mark Benioff. I am an absolute big fan uh, of his. What is something that, you know, when you came to Salesforce that you kind of learned uh, from him that, you know, to really kind of maybe changed a thought process or changed the way you did business or just something you learned from him since you've been there at Salesforce? 
Oh, you know, I would say that, you know, through this last 12 months, um, it has been amazing to see how our entire leadership team has shown up. Gotcha. Um, you know, early in the pandemic, we were doing something called Be Well for our uh, employees. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, you know, it would be it was every single day, 30 minutes, twice a day initially. And it would be, you know, how to it could even be somebody reading, you know, a kid's book so that our employees could have their kids listen to someone while they got some work done. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it could be something like that. It could be a meditation class. It could be a yoga class. It could be listening to someone inspirational like a Serena Williams or, you know, a Soledad O'Brien or mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey or, you know, whomever. Right. Pharrell. I mean, we've had kind of everybody on. We've had Chrissy Hines play, you know, new music she had written during the lockdown out from London. I mean, it's been really amazing. But what we saw was that it was so important to people who worked here, we opened it up to everybody. And so the second thing we did was we did leading through change, right? And and sort of leading through this change, we have a foot. Uh, and it was once again, just for us once a week. And then now we've opened it up so that you can see it, you know, streaming uh, on Twitter or on your favorite social platform. Um, and and that really says a lot. And and I mean, you know, millions of views on these things, not like, you know, 100 people show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, that has been um, really kind of a beacon that that our customers, many of our customers have replicated. The other thing I'd say is that we have a standing um, all hands call with the entire executive leadership team, including many of our board of directors um, once a week to talk about, you know, what's going on, what's happening with getting back to the work and getting back to the office and what are we doing about vaccines and what are we, you know, just kind of an update once a week and then, you know, kind of uh, an opportunity to see what we're all working on and then hear stories of what businesses have been doing to, you know, survive and thrive during this time. But I use that as just an example. It was a, it was a, it was an acceleration of communication transparency, mm-hmm. right? Trust and, and leading with our values. And so, uh, I'd say that, you know, with Mark's stewardship, you know, the entire leadership team and company has, uh, has really put, um, you know, a lot of effort behind making sure that our employees and our customers and our shareholders are, are okay during this time. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Tiffany Bova, Global Customer Growth and Innovation Evangelist at Salesforce. And if you want to check out all the uh, knowings and goings of Tiffany, make sure you check out her website, TiffanyBova.com. We have that link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Also, check out her podcast. What's next? The What's Next podcast. Kind of talk about your podcast and and the kind of the people you talk to on there, uh, if you don't mind, Tiffany. So, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. I didn't know what I would get from the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it was sort of before everybody decided they needed a podcast. Right. But, you know, it, it, it was um, I was having these conversations with people backstage before I was going to give a keynote. You know, mm-hmm. I had given in 2019, I flew 375,000 miles, gave 100 keynotes on six continents. I mean, I was, you know, I was hauling last year, very different year. But, you know, sort of, you know, for the last 20 years, I've, I've spent a majority of my time on the road. Right. And uh, I had started a podcast to have those conversations I was selfishly having backstage mm. with some amazing people. Right. And I wanted to have it with people, um, you know, uh, uh, on this podcast. And that's how it started. And so I reached out to like my inner network of, you know, friends who I thought were really interesting and uh, motivational and um, inspiring. And the good news was they all said yes. And so kind of the first 15 shows were underneath my belt. And then I went, oh, 
okay, now I got to need, I need more. Um, <laughs> and so I, it was really a way for me there, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Um, and it was really to allow me a forum to learn myself, to right. ask questions. I would ask them, you know, when I would meet them or have a cup of coffee with them or have a meal with them while I was out on the road. And I got to share that. And so it has been, it has changed the way I think about so many things. Um, I've learned a ton. Um, I've met some new people along the way. Cause you know, now that we're grounded, I'm not able to, you know, make those connections while I'm out on the road. Right. Um, so it's just been a blessing uh, to keep me, um, always, uh, you know, learning, I guess that's the fastest and easiest way to say it. I hear that. No, I definitely get that. This, this whole production is just a scam to learn from some of the best minds in business. So I definitely, uh, understand that for sure. I uh, wanted to ask you something because, you know, you, you give a lot of keynotes and stuff like that. And we have a lot of people out there who want to be, you know, influencers and stuff like that. How do you prepare for a big keynote or, or a speaking engagement that you have, Tiffany? So I'd say this, um, you know, being a sort of salesperson, I didn't have a fear of being in front of people or sort of quote unquote presenting to people, right? Like not presenting on a stage, right? But standing up in a boardroom or, you know, saying something or meeting with someone. And so I, I was a good communicator. Uh, so I had been told and, and I had got become a much better storyteller, you know, as, as I started to sort of move through my career, giving a keynote, you know, in front of a hundred people or my largest to date, I think has been almost 20,000 people live. Um, you know, is, is, is a different art form. So, you know, if, if it's something you aspire to do, and even if you're a startup and you're, you know, pitching to get some, uh, investment, you know, you've got to be a really compelling storyteller. And mm. so that takes practice. You can't just go up there and go, well, I'm going to, you know, wow them with my intelligence because you could be the smartest person in the room, but if you're not that interesting, no one's going to be listening to you. So, you know, you have to, learn how to capture attention, read the room, now read the video, um, and, and practice, practice, practice. Uh, and so, you know, I would recommend that if, if that's what you want to do, that you have to, um, that you have to, uh, um, open up the opportunity, uh, to practice. So, you know, offer to give a presentation to four or five people or to a, you know, a, a, a group that you belong to or your book club or whatever, you know, you have to practice. Um, and I can, I remember the first time I gave a presentation, a keynote, if you will, in a real keynote, like not giving a sales presentation, right? Um, but giving a keynote, I was terrible. I thought I was terrible. I thought I was terrible. And I, and I have it on film, which, so whenever I'm feeling really <laughs> badly about myself, I'll watch that film and go, okay, I'm at least I'm better than I was then. Right. But, um, you know, have somebody film it or tape it. And, you know, that's your way of, of being able to, to, you know, track your, your improvement. I hear that. It's, it's almost like watching game film after a game or something like yes. that. And I definitely, yes. definitely understand that. And I appreciate it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And watch the comp and watch the competition. Right. You know, just For like sure. a game film. So, you know, watch someone who you really enjoy listening to. For sure. Listen to someone you really enjoy listening to. How do they tell a story? What do they do the way they pause? Do they talk really slowly and softly? Do they start to talk? In, there are so many tips and tricks on being able to engage people, even if you're not in front of them, right? Even if they don't agree with what you're saying, even if they're not interested in the topic, like if you're a compelling speaker, you'll pull them in. But like I said, it takes practice. For sure. 
for sure. And I appreciate you uh, talk about, you know, telling a great story in Startup Nation. When you pick up Growth uh, IQ, it has many great stories. Uh, one of the things that I've learned on this journey that people may not remember all the, the you know, the, uh, the the tips and the tricks, but they definitely remember the stories. And that helps kind of, yes. you know, helps with uh, the, the tips and the tricks and the ideas to kind of help stick and move your uh, path forward. And once again, Startup Nation, that book is Growth IQ. We have a link there in the show notes if you want to purchase, if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And we're wrapping up here uh, with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany, I want to ask you a question because a few days ago uh, on, uh, well, actually yesterday, as of this recording on Twitter, you reposted uh, a picture on Twitter about apps most likely to use in 2020. You know, basically, you know, when you're uh, uh, kind of marketing and, and doing your outreach to customers and stuff like that, the appropriate uh, uh, social media to use. Kind of talk about that a little bit, because I think a lot of times we're there's so many options when it comes to social media, it can kind of get overwhelming. Well, yeah, not only that, if you you know check it out, I'm, I'm going to pull it up really quick. But sure. Gen Z, n- number one was Snapchat. Right. For millennials, number one was Discord. Mm. For Gen X and baby boomers, number one was Ring. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm like, I feel really boring. My right. number one app is Ring. <laughs> Woohoo! You know? <laughs> and then next door, and the Weather Channel and Kindle. Those mm. were Gen X and baby boomers. Right. I, mean, I am just destined for nothing great. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, I, I think behind that, though, is a subtle message, right? What, how should you be communicating with potential customers or future employees or investors? Right. Where are they going for their information? You know, who are your target customers? If your target customers are Gen Z and you're not in their top five, you know, apps in some way, it's going to be hard to reach them. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's really a matter of understanding that what is your product? Who is your buyer? How do they like to buy? How do they want to engage? Do they want to buy from you in Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter? Do they want to buy from you, you know, online or on a phone? Now as a startup, you can't be everywhere, right? but you want to make sure you're going to some place that has a density of the right kinds of buyers. And, mm. and then you have to you know, pick your battles because you can't be you can't go strike multiple partnerships and be in four sales channels and have your direct selling organization. You know, if you are a startup with 20 employees, it would it would it would crush you underneath, you know, kind of all the things you would need to do. So you have to be very strategic. But, you know, I think the point in, in, in my posting that was really about understanding, you know, who your customers are. Um, and also where they're going and the, and the, and the stark differences between them. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. And, and startup nation, if you want to, uh, follow, uh, Tiffany on Twitter, we have, uh, her link there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay on the podcast and before I let you go, Tiffany, I just want to say thank you so much again for coming on uh, the show. You gave fantastic advice. You shared your book and all your insight and stuff like that. I just wanted to know if you would just leave us with some words of encouragement to take us out for today. I would say trust the process. Mm. You know, we just we just don't know where our way through, and it's not going to happen overnight. But I've been saying that quote uh, for a really long time. That I don't know what the journey will hold in front of us, but we just have to trust the process as we go through it, as we learn, as we win as we you know, fail, as we dust ourselves off and stand back up, especially in the startup community, um, you just have to trust the process, even if you don't know what's on the other side of it. Um, you know, Speak with those people around you in your network that have done it 
been there before. Uh, but that's what I'd say. Trust the process. I heard that. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Trust the process, Startup Nation. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Once again, we want to thank Tiffany Volva, uh, Global Customer Growth and Innovation Evangelist from Salesforce. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.